0: Thank you for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Oh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Kevin, and I am honored to be the the pastor here at New Vision. I want to thank you guys for being here today. Um, Man, I miss my wife. She's home with Jordan. He uh, came down with a fever last night and still had it this morning. Uh, My daughter is in Olathe at a a volleyball tournament. My mom is there. Like, my brain has been going everywhere, wanting to make sure everyone's okay and taken care of. And um, So when you saw me slip out during worship... Um, Some of you know this, every Sunday before I preach, my wife prays for me and prays over me. And so there's not a Sunday that we miss that. So when she's not present, um, sometimes I steal Mike Harris's phone because he's right over there. But today I had mine and and I just slid out so that she could pray over me and with me. And so uh, she told me that she couldn't wait to see me on the screen. So I just let you know that did make me smile a little bit today. But um, I hope you're enjoying that we went all out for Red Sunday, like the carpet is red, the pews are red. Um, what's funny is I can do that joke every time, and it is funny every single time we say that. Um, but no, thank you for, uh, uh, for participating today, even though some of you um, have on the wrong red, that's cool too. Like we, we embrace um, those of you who are lost and... <clears throat> no, nah, but it it is great like it is great to be in the Super Bowl again. Um and you know it, it's so wild like you know all the years back when everyone was rooting for the Chiefs and now that we've began to turn into a dynasty there seem to be less people rooting for the Chiefs, and and I get it, like, I didn't like the Patriots either, like, I wanted them to lose every year, but you know what, for right now, I'll take it. I'll I'll take being uh, rooted against, because we all know, as Chiefs fans, it's not always like this, and so I'll take it. If this is what it's like for the next two years, I'm all in for that. Um, So I'm excited about today. Hopefully, um, our city is happy tomorrow. Nothing wrecks everyone's mood than a a, a loss so hopefully we'll uh we'll all be celebrating tonight and tomorrow and our kids will get an extra day out of school um so hopefully we we do well today um a couple things as we get rolling. Um, we finished up Vision Sunday a couple of weeks ago. And we still have, if, if you were here, or maybe you missed it, you watched it online and, and you heard me talk about freedom and, and how God is here to break chains. And we still have some some chain links if you need those to remind yourself that you are free. And a reminder that... Um, you need to be spreading your freedom, that you need to handle it well, and other people need to be set free because God sets you free. They need to find the way that they can be free, maybe even through you. We've been praying every day that God would send workers into the harvest and that we would realize that we are those workers as well. So if you need your reminder, it's at the connect table. You can grab that um, as you leave today. And um, if you haven't watched the last couple of weeks online, catch up with us. Um, it will it'll help make sense of everything that's going on. And one thing that's not in the announcements today, but I'm really excited because we started working on it uh, a couple of weeks ago, is that small groups are getting ready to relaunch again in a couple of weeks. I'm so pumped for groups. <clears throat> here's Here's what we talk about, you know, as a church, like community is important. But community is still commitment. And, and so if, if you want to not just come to church here, but to feel like you've got people, you need to do two things. You need to jump into a small group and you need to jump on a team. If you don't do those two things, I would imagine that at some point you are going to feel like I'm just here. You're just consuming. You're just here and... and We are, I feel like, one of the the most welcoming places that you could be. Um, And I believe that most of you, if not all of you have came in, you've mentioned that at different times, like how open and inviting and welcoming it is, but that will only last you for so long. You need connection. You need community. So don't stay on the outside. Don't stay on the fringes. You'll leave here saying, well, I just never fit in. Well, I'm telling you the best way for you to do that is to jump into small groups. Jump on teams. Like, that's how life is done. It's not just done here sitting next to people in rows. We need to begin to move out and do things together. So be ready for, we'll have sign-ups next week. In the following week, and then we'll start that last week of February. So I'm excited for that. Um, we had a walking group this last time, and uh, I didn't lose any weight, but I walked some. So <coughs> probably need to walk more. Uh, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time is Home Alone. Um, a lot of it is because of the things that happened to Marv and Harry, but, um, like, that's all funny. But one scene, uh, we watch it every year with our kids. We, we order pizza. and We have a family night. We, we watch it. And the, the one scene that gets me every year is when Kevin is home alone for the first time, and he goes downstairs. He's going to do some laundry, and the furnace kicks on, and it's dark. And it's scary, and the furnace starts making these noises, and then his imagination begins to go, and it comes to life, right? And he drops everything, and he runs scared, and he's hiding under the bed. And every time that scene in the movie happens, I think about the basement of the house that I grew up in. It brings back traumatic memories of of this place. Because we had a basement that was terrifying. There wasn't a light switch for the basement. There was a light but it had a cord on it and you had to turn it on and off. The problem is you had to go down some steps and probably about eight feet over to where the light was before you could turn it on. So the trick was when you went downstairs, you left the kitchen door open, God forbid it closed before you get to the drawstring. That's that's punishment right there. Like I will stop what I'm doing, go back up the stairs. But so you you time it to where you can get there. You turn on the light. And then when you leave, the trick is, at least this is how I did it, like I would pull that string as far this way if the door was over here, right, so that when I clicked it, man, it was a sprint. Because whatever was going to grab you, that was the time it was going to get you. was when it was dark. So you try to get away, right? Those basement things, man, that's, some of us have... Fears like that. Like we were kids and the basement scared us. We probably all are afraid of something. Um, there are some of us, um, I, I haven't looked around a, enough today to, to know if the ones that I know of that are like this are in the room. But there are some of us that like any kind of loud noise gets us. Like it doesn't even have to jump out and scare us. I've scared somebody that goes to this church by throwing a Lego into a room that they thought nobody was in, and they left the church. Like, they ran out the building because of the noise that the Lego made. And so there are people that they're just jumpy, right? And it's fun to scare them initially, but then afterwards when you're just like, hey, what's up, I'm like, oh, don't do that. Man, it's not even fun to scare you anymore. But we have people like that. We have other people that are afraid of bugs. Some of you have thought about moving out of your house the first time you found a spider. Some of you don't even know what it's like to do battle with a spider. You just leave. Or you call somebody else. Uh, mom, I need you to come over. You're a grown man. I know, but mom, I need this a spider. So, like, we have those kind of conversations. If it's not bugs, I think it's funny when people, like, spiders, maybe I get that. But, like, just a regular bug. Answer in the house, and you know, you're scared of just bugs. Like, that, that is funny to me anyways. Maybe you're afraid of mice. I have seen people uh, jump on top of tables, couches, run over people, like, to avoid mice. We got all kinds of things that people are afraid of, and and some of them we think it's funny. Like, we'll laugh at them um, because it's okay to do that. But fear isn't always funny. I would imagine that most of us have had a thought about failing, and when we thought about failing long enough, there was a little bit of fear or a lot of fear That begin to creep into us you know I've talked to couples before they've gotten married and we have some honest conversations and they're afraid afraid to get married not because of the commitment but because they've never seen a successful marriage and they're afraid that they'll repeat the pattern that everyone else around them has has set but they don't want to. And so they're excited. But there's also some fear in there of failing in their marriage. I've, I've talked to students that are afraid of disappointing their parents. And if I fail this class again, if I do this. Like there, there's so many things that our, our students feel like um, are hinging on our approval as parents. And so there's a fear that comes in every now and then that they'll disappoint those that matter the most. And you know, as a father, sometimes we, we think about um, not wanting to fail our family. I want to provide. I want to be a good dad. I want, I want my kids to come to me. I also want to, to show them the right things to do. And, like, all of those things, man, the pressure there of, of doing everything right sometimes is, is a little scary. And when we talk about relationships, man, even the best of us have experienced fear in relationships. There are some of us right now that God has already spoken to you about the relationship that you're in and you know you shouldn't be in it, but you are afraid to be alone. I'm just gonna let that sit for a moment. Because there is fear that somehow, some way, you won't just be alone right now, you will end up alone. And so you will put up with toxic relationships, you will put up with people telling you how terrible you are, and how they're the only one that sees you, loves you. No one ever will treat you or love you. It's just me. And there are moments where that love feels real, and there are other moments where it is very apparent that they don't really like you. But you stay because you're afraid you'll be alone. You've settled into less than what you would recommend other people be in. There's fear. In all kinds of places. I mean, we're afraid sometimes to make decisions. What if I make the wrong one? What if the, what if I'm supposed to do this and, and and we go back and forth and we're wondering which step is it that we're supposed to take? We're afraid of the decisions that doctors have asked us to make. We're afraid to step out in, in new areas and, and take steps that we've never taken before. And, and then if those things maybe don't overwhelm us at times, we are so afraid that at the end of our lives we're going to look back and none of it mattered. My life, who I am. And so many times the enemy catches us early. Students, you feel this. I feel like now more than ever that, man, at 13, 14, 15, man, I don't matter. You, you do. That's a lie that the enemy tells it, And he doesn't stop. He tells us adults the same thing. It is a fear. If he can trap you because what happens is fear begins to spread. It spreads to every part of who you are. It makes us uncertain. It makes us nervous and hesitant. It makes us worry a lot. It makes us skeptical that things can change. And it even has the ability to paralyze us where we're afraid of any kind of moving. We decide we'll just stay right where we are, how we are. We won't move. We can't step away from where we are. We'll just be here. That's what fear can do. And so today we're going to continue our our Travel Light series and we're going to actually check back in with David and pick up the psalm that we started last week to see just how we can move forward and stop letting fear paralyze us. Today my message is, my message title is inspired by the courageous words of Kevin McAllister. I'm not afraid anymore. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. This morning we ask that as we spend time in your presence and in your word, that you would speak to each of us. God, that you would help us to silence the rest of the noise, our fears, our doubts. That we would hear the voice of God today. That you would speak directly to where we are. Remind us who we are. Remind us who you are. God, I pray that as I communicate your word to your people, that you would help me to do it clearly and confidently, and in a way that they hear you much more than they hear me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, turn with me once again to Psalm 23. I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to back in, we're going to go back into the middle to kind of go over what we're talking about today. So, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me all along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Again, like notice how David is describing this very personal relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to go back and listen to that so that you can kind of build off of what we talked about last week. Because today we're going to take a closer look at verse 4 and and the rest of it. Because how David walks through these verses is vital to us, being able to let go of fear. In verse 4, once again he says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And I'm wondering if you picked up on how David changed how he talked. In the first three verses, he talked about the shepherd. In verse 4, he begins to talk to the shepherd. And I think that's important. I I don't think it was random. I, I believe that he did that to remind us that when we need him the most, he is the closest. In fact, we'll discover that the shepherd is persistently present. Seeing the places where it seems darkest, in the moments that it really feels like fear is winning, It can win. It can overwhelm us. In the times in our life when we have felt unprotected and all alone, we need to be reminded that we aren't alone. And even more, that God's protection and his comfort are there because of his presence. You see, David paints this picture for us, a shepherd and sheep, to remind us that sheep need protection. There's not um, a sheep that has these sharp claws or, or, or scary teeth, like, it, there's not one sheep that all the other sheep are telling the predators, like, you wait till Clarence gets here. He's going to show you. No, like, they all just do like this. If they fall over, they're done, right? But what they can do is count on the presence of the shepherd. That's where they get their protection. And so we don't have to worry about, well, wait until I can. No, no, no. I just need to point to who is persistently present. I need to remind myself, the predators, myself and the predators, myself and the predators that the good shepherd is present. He's with me. Through the highs and the lows. I love this psalm because David doesn't paint this perfect life with no problems. No, he's painting the lowest of lows here. And here we see that God is still persistently present. Through the good, through the bad. I mean, Hebrews 13 reminds us that God has promised that he will never leave us. And never forsake us. And so that means that there is comfort when he is there. So the next time you're sitting in the hospital room you can have his comfort. In the courtroom, you can have his comfort. In school, you can have his comfort. When you're having that tough conversation in the living room, his comfort is there. Everywhere that you are, he is with you. You can have his protection and his comfort because he is persistently present. And it's not just in his presence. David um, points to a couple of things that the shepherd keeps with him in his hands, readily available, that provide the comfort and protection. He talks about the rod and the staff. And and the rod rod is something that the shepherd would use to count sheep and check the predators. So if you got close enough, he's going to hit you with it. If not, he's very adept at chucking the rod and getting you with it, right? But the rod also is what he uses to count the sheep. So I know exactly who's here and who's not. He's using that. There's a comfort in knowing that you are known. I mean, just think about when Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. I want you to think about how personal it is that the shepherd notices that one out of a hundred is missing. Which one it is, where they might be. He knows where to go to find the lost sheep. That's how personal it is. So the rod is there to count us and to check enemies. And then you got the staff. And the staff is there to keep the enemies at bay. But it's also used to catch us when we're on a ledge, to pull us up out of the pit. He uses that staff to pull us closer. When we have fallen. I I want you to get this picture, man. When when sheep would be fallen, when they fall into a pit. He's not just like, that's what you get. Get out there yourself. He doesn't do that. He grabs the staff and he hooks them and he pulls them closer. He's persistently present. It is so good to know that not only is God present, but the darker the shadow, the closer he comes. Because for most of us, when fear begins to overwhelm us, steps are hard to take. It is paralyzing. It is tough to to move when we are afraid. And David reminds us that the shepherd, he's not just leading sheep wherever. He's leading sheep where he's already been. He always goes ahead. So I want you to understand that means that when you're afraid to take the next step, I want you to not just realize that you are taking one step. You can literally place your foot inside the footprint of the shepherd knowing that he already went ahead of you, knowing that you can trust where he's leading. I'm not standing on my own two feet. I'm walking right inside of his footprint because he's going ahead of me. Not only does he scout the path ahead, but then he doesn't just say, come on, catch up. He comes back and now we walk with. Let me go together. Hey, walk where I walked. See, see that pothole right there? Don't step in there. Look where my feet are. Go that route. He's walking with us as we go. And we need to remind ourselves that God has been with us before. Some of you have incredible stories of when God showed up. But sometimes we have amnesia. And when we are stuck in the valley of the shadow of death, when times are tough, we forget that we've been through this before. That God showed up then. So what I would encourage you to do today is to write it down. When was the last time God showed up? Write it down in your note. Take a note on your phone. Keep it. And then you can look back. When you're struggling, when you're afraid to take another step, when you're afraid you feel like you can't keep walking, you feel alone, you feel unprotected, you can look at that note. And then some of you need to not just hear it from you. You need to send that to a couple of your friends so that you can tell them, hey, when I'm complaining, when I'm afraid, when I'm worried, just send me this once again so that I can keep walking. Because that's important. David didn't say that we stay in the valley of the shadow of death but that his presence is there to get us through. Some of us have set up tents and started living in the valley. That's never where God intended for you to live. He intended for you to keep going because his presence is there. So let's determine to keep walking. We can make it through because his presence is there. Verse 5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Can you see what God is doing? Like, we are so important that God knows the direction we're headed. He's working ahead. Not only did He scout the path and lay the path, but He's got something set up just for you when you get there. Not only does He have something for you that will nourish you, but He's keeping enemies back away from you, proving once again that He's our protector. I want you to think about this, because sometimes we don't think about this. Right now, all around the world, there are United States troops that are deployed, that are on high alert, that are defending us and protecting us, and they're alert so that you and I don't have to be. God is watching out and watching over us. We can take comfort I want you to hear this because some of you feel this. Some of you are like, man, the presence of enemies, like that's what it feels like when I go to work. There are people that are hoping that I mess my job up. They want my spot. They want this. They don't think that whatever it is, this is how we can survive there. Because we can be in a place where people all around us are hoping that we fail. Because there is a shepherd that has prepared all that we need when we get there. Not just to survive, but to thrive. Did you notice how David described what was there? There wasn't just a little bitty lunch. There wasn't just some scraps left over. He prepared a feast in the middle of where the enemies were. He doesn't want you to just survive. He wants to give you the nourishment that you need so that you can keep going. He's got more than what you need. And I love the, the, I picture this as the enemies being kept at bay while God just gives us more of what we need. And they can't do anything about it. Like they can see it, but they can't stop it. They they can only get so far. Their threats can only hit our ears. They can't get close to us. It's as if there's scripture. Like in Isaiah that says that no weapon formed against us will actually prosper. There are enemies. We have one called the devil And oftentimes he uses people to show up in situations and we're, ugh, and it feels like this. But I just want to encourage you this morning that even if it doesn't feel like there can be a feast in the presence of them, it may feel like dark right now. It may feel like all you want to do is go home, close the door, and weep for a little bit. Man, that's okay. You can weep right now. Psalm 30 says weeping may endure for a night. But I'm here to tell you that there is a feast set up for you where joy can come in the morning. Where when you get what God has set aside for you, you now feel energized. You now have what you got. You got joy that will sustain you and energize you. It may look right now like all your enemies are surrounding you. In fact, it's God that surrounded you. And they can't get close to you because he is our protector. Not only does he prepare a feast in the presence of our enemies, the rest of the verse says you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. And in scripture we see anointing with oil typically on the occasions that calling, blessings, something special happening like kings would be anointed, priests would be anointed for what they are called to do and who they are called to be. And so when we see David talking about this, we now see God sanctifying us and setting us apart as his. He has created you, and he has called you for a purpose. And I like that this part of scripture is tagged in with verse 5. Because it reminds me that God is not ashamed of us. He has no problem letting it be known That we are His. He is unashamedly proud of His relationship with us. I mean, just look at this one verse. Shows us we receive His protection, His provision, and His anointing in front of everyone, including our enemies. He didn't just wait for all the best people to be around. It didn't matter who was around. They were going to find out who we were and what God has for us. You need provision. You need protection. You need anointing. Guess what? Right now can be the day that that gets poured out in your life once again. I mean, this shows how special we are to him. You are called. You are chosen. You are his. And don't just take my word for it. 1 Peter 2, 9 says that you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God because he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I wanna tell you this morning, he is calling you again. If you feel like you haven't had purpose, if you feel like maybe you've let God down somehow, I'm telling you, once again, He is calling you. He is setting you apart, once again, for the job that He has created you to do, for the very thing that He put you on the planet to do, and He has equipped you to do it, created you to do it, called you to it, and His anointing is there for you to do it. And I know some of you right now are like, yeah, but when it comes to purpose, uh, I don't think I'm good enough to do this because of these things. We start listing out the gaps, the reason why we can't, and God's like, that's cool, because my anointing will will take over, it will wash over all of those gaps. And here's what I love, how David says this. It's not even that the anointing just covers the gaps. David says, my cup runs over. God's got more than enough anointing for your gaps. He's got more than enough anointing for your mistakes. He's got more than enough anointing for you. He doesn't just want to anoint one area. He wants it to overflow into every area of your life, into the people that are around you. He wants your cup to run over. He wants to pour more of who he is into you and over you. If you will open your heart, open your cup, open your life to him today, he will overflow it. That's just who he is. He is an and then some God. He's in the business of overflowing your cup over and over again. And then David ends with this incredibly confident statement. Surely, surely, he didn't say potentially, maybe, on my good days, when I get everything right, when I have a streak of reading my Bible for a hundred days in a row. No, no, surely, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. when you get it right, not when you don't make mistakes, not just when you decide to follow him all of the days of your life, and I will live. Man, David, I will live in the house of the Lord forever. David, David talks about this thing with God, that God is in permanent pursuit of us. Regardless of, of what we may be experiencing right now. Your circumstances may, may leave you wondering, is God really pursuing me with his goodness? I'm here to tell you right now, Life hasn't. life doesn't have to be good for God to still be good. And it is his every intention to pursue you with his goodness, to pursue you with his grace, with his mercy, with his love. It is his every intention, not just to be in pursuit, but to catch you it, to overwhelm you with His love, to overwhelm you with His goodness, to overflow your life with all of who He is. I think that part of it is He doesn't want there to be moments where we're wondering if we matter, where we're wondering if He loves us, where we're wondering if He's good. That's why He's in permanent pursuit of us. You're wondering just look around you. Look, "I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. Some of us have those people in It's like, you know when they show up, they're going to hug you 16 times. Because they love you. They want you to know it over and over. They don't want you to doubt it. And God's like, come here. Watch goodness and mercy. Let me wrap it around you. Let me hug you a couple times. Some of you need to stop fighting the hugs. You need to let Him embrace you. You need to feel it. You want it so badly. But you're afraid of what it's going to do to you if you just let go. What if it frees you? What if it heals you? What if it gives you the life that you've been so desperately longing for? What if the embrace of God's goodness and mercy, what if you? i open my heart up to god even when i'm lost even when i make mistakes even when i'm not perfect his love is persistently following us hoping to bring us home hoping to put us back on the right path there's nothing that you could do that would make god stop loving you but pastor it doesn't matter well this one's it doesn't matter i'm telling you right now there's not one day Not one day of your life did God look at you and say, "Ah, not today. Oh, he looked at you this morning and said, I'm coming. He looked at you this morning and said, oh, today's the day. I hope my love catches them. Today's the day. I hope they know how much I value them. Today's the day. I hope that they understand I made them on purpose and for a purpose. Today could be that day. He loves you so very much. If we embrace who he is, we don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to wonder anymore. We don't have to worry about failing or worry about the unknown. We can just let go and allow God to be the shepherd. We can take steps forward even when we're afraid because we're reminded that he's with us, that he's gone before us. The fear doesn't control us anymore. It doesn't keep us stuck. Our enemies may be around, but they don't win. I can follow him. He's persistently present. He's our protector. He has purpose. But I wonder, I wonder if there's some of us here today that haven't fully understood that because we haven't surrendered to his pursuit. of sin it separated us from God and and God wasn't content with the separation so he sent his very best he sent his son Jesus to take care of the cost and the price of sin and to heal us from the damage of sin because no matter how much good we do no matter how many good vibes we put out none of that takes care of the sin that's in our heart so Jesus came to pay the price for sin. He gave his life for me and for you. Even before we asked, even before we realized we needed it, he made a way home for us. And he didn't just pay the price for sin. He, He proved that he is exactly who he said he was when three days later he rose from the grave, proving that he can bring life where there was death proving that he can give us a new life and a fresh start today if we'll accept it I wonder if that's you this morning I wonder if you need to say I'll I'll follow I'll open my heart up I I, I need to give my life to Jesus today I need to connect or reconnect with him if that's you I just want you to to raise your hand and look up and make eye contact with me All around the room that's me today PK who else Stand with me all around the world. I wonder if you didn't raise your hand, but you just feel something. Feel like you're supposed to respond. would just ask that you would be brave enough to step out of your seat and meet me down here at the altar. I need a new relationship with Jesus. I need to reconnect my heart to his. If you raised your hand or you should have, won't you meet me down here? Let's take a step away from who you were. Let's step towards God and who you've been. We got somebody responding right now. Who else? But who else? Man, that's me today. Yeah, come on, put your hands together. We got more people moving. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Brooklyn, will you come down here and pray with them? Now for the rest of Wonder what God has been speaking. I wonder if some of us have been trapped by fear and I may not have even talked about it, but God spoke to your heart. Maybe you've been hesitant in an area that he's told you you can trust him. Maybe he just wants you to, to trust him to be your protector. But you need to be reminded of who he is, that he's present. Maybe you felt alone. I, I don't know what he's been speaking to you today, but I'm just going to ask you, while the worship team sings, would you take some time and respond? Maybe you need to come to the altar and step in a symbol of stepping away from fear and out of, of, of where you've been and say, God, I'm going to respond to you today and I need this. And, and you pour your heart out to Him this morning. But I want you to take some time while they sing. Step away from where you are and where you've been into who God sees you. So take some time. What do you need to respond to today? Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.